Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Tuesday, January 3rd. Chewing on Jonah day and night. Today's scripture reading is found in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, from the message translation, which reads, How well God must like you. You don't walk in the ruts of those blind as bats. You don't stand with the good-for-nothings. You don't take your seat among the know-it-alls. Instead, you thrill to God's Word. You chew on Scripture day and night. You're a tree planted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. This is God's Word. These first three lines of the first psalm are a fitting companion for the first three lines of Jonah's story. Fitting on at least two levels. First, in its binary approach to humanity at large, with those on the one hand who are solid like firmly planted trees, planted by streams of water never lacking in fruit or sustenance, like Jonah, the Torah-observant, God-honoring, message-proclaiming Hebrew. And then on the other hand, with those who are no better than worthless chaff, to be scattered by the wind and consumed by God's fiery fury, like, say, the pagan, godless, barbaric, world-dominating Ninevites. Jonah will have a few things to learn about the much more subtle nuances of human realities, as no doubt will we. And secondly, in the whole business of delighting in the chewy goodness of God's Word, thrilling in its cadences and flow, chewing on its subtleties, meditating on its inscrutable mysteries, relishing its stories. This is what we want to do with this ancient Jonah story. Jonah's story is a short story. Okay, you can thank me later. It weighs in at about four pages in our English Bibles, containing just under a thousand words. I wrote longer essays in high school, and taking about eight minutes to read, depending on just how slow you go, slowness actually being encouraged. Rather than just jump into these devotional pages with a plethora of spoilers, the invitation this week especially is to dive in yourself, somewhat leisurely, as we read and ponder a page a day over the next four days. The idea here is to make space to see what you see, rather than to have me spoon-feed you all of my brilliant insights. Yes, of course my insights are brilliant, but you need to come up with your own. Then we can compare notes just a bit. Deal? Deal. So, starting tomorrow, I'll be reading the first page, then pausing to let some air in as you contemplate some initial impressions and observations. And then it's your job to read it again a second time, after which more space, well, needs to be made for pondering the initial implications and applications. And then, yes, as we journey on through Jonah, I'll share a few spoiler samples of my own brilliant insights, primarily so you won't accuse me, at least not too loudly, of totally slacking on my job, which is, I suppose, to unpack all the goodies for you. But unpack your own goodies first, peoples. Because no, we are not the immobile, lazy boy-chaired humans of Wally's world, are we? Now, as you launch out of that chair into the wilds of Jonah's story and world, 
I would send you off with these wise words of counsel from Jared Bias in his book, Jonah for Normal People, which I recommend, that is, if you qualify as normal people. Jared writes, as we make our way through the book, it's critical that we set aside our modern assumptions and instead try to view Jonah through ancient eyes. We have to make sure we're paying attention to what the text says or doesn't say, rather than what we wish it said or what we want it to say. Interestingly enough, when we read Jonah through ancient eyes first, it becomes even more relevant for us today. For when we impose our own modern categories on the book, it becomes safe, sterile, and less likely to teach us anything new about how to show up in the world. Okay, to the above, I would add one more comment from Jared. Like all good wisdom books, it doesn't come right out, this book of Jonah, and tell us the point it's trying to make. Instead, it forces us to work for it, to argue among ourselves, to sit, to ponder, to find ourselves in the characters and come to our own conclusions. Stories that are ambiguous and thus pregnant with meaning are like a glazed donut after a stressful week. My favorite. Okay, we start tomorrow. Happy chewing. So as you pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder, to what degree do you thrill to God's word? What are some of the ways you've found to effectively chew on scripture bits without getting severe indigestion? How are you going to chew on Jonah? Lord, let me thrill to the rhythms of your stories, your words, your thoughts. Teach me how to chew and savor well, rather than rushing it or brushing it off for others to fill in the blanks. Teach me to forage for myself. Teach me to unpack my own goodies, rather than merely consuming the leftover observations of others, brilliant though they be. Let this Jonah story force me to do my own work, to pause and ponder frequently, to find myself in the characters, to come to my own conclusions, ever bearing fruit and never dropping a leaf in the infinite blooming of your word ever made new. Through your spirit in, upon, and with us. Amen.